Welcome to the Living by Faith podcast. My name is Josh DeGroat, and this is episode number two. I want to thank you for checking this out. This is a podcast where we look at current news and events, we look at theology, practical issues, some history, and we do all of this from the perspective of the life of faith in Christ. My aim is that you find this helpful, informative, encouraging, and so let's get started. Well, in current news and events, once again, coronavirus is dominating the news. And one of the interesting discussions over the past few weeks has to do with essential versus non-essential businesses, the thought being that only essential businesses should be allowed to stay open. But just what is a non-essential business? Or maybe we should turn it around and ask, what is an essential business? Most would agree that food is essential for us to continue living, and so grocery stores are considered essential and should therefore stay open. Furthermore, some require ongoing medical care and or medication, and so healthcare operations are deemed essential as well. The Department of Homeland Security has put out a list of operations considered essential, which includes such things as garbage collection, post office and shipping businesses, gas stations and repair shops, banks, daycare centers, among other things. But the whole idea of essential versus non-essential businesses begs a huge question. Essential to whom? There are millions of Americans out of work right now who feel their jobs were essential, at least to them and their families. The small business owner who runs a family barber shop, which is now closed, believes his business is essential, essential to provide for his employees as well as his family. This is why it's so important that as Christians, we understand that it's not just a matter of caring about lives or the economy. It's not either or. Of course, we should be concerned about the lives of those who contract COVID-19 or especially those who have underlying conditions and are especially vulnerable. But to care about the economy is also to care about lives. It is no surprise that someone's job has often been described as their livelihood. It's called livelihood because it, it is the means by which one is able to secure the things necessary for life or for living. And so one's livelihood is essential in order to obtain the things needed to live. So the laws or guidelines being imposed nationally or even more at the state and local level affect real lives in many ways and at many levels. Those governing as authorities should be in our constant prayers that they would govern wisely, that they would govern with humility, and that they would govern in the fear of the Lord on both of these fronts. On the one hand, working to prevent people, especially the most vulnerable, from contracting this coronavirus, while also seeking to prevent the, the economy from suffering irreparable damage, which, remember, damages real people, sometimes in irreparable ways. And for Christians, as we seek to live faithfully in the present moment, we must remember that our allegiance is first and foremost to the Lord Jesus Christ. The most fundamental and ancient Christian confession comes from Romans 10.9, Jesus is Lord. 
We live under the law of Christ, which is the law of love. He's Lord, he's king, and we want to live under his rule. And therefore, we should seek to love all of our neighbors, every single one of them. We should seek to love those who would suffer real harm from the coronavirus. And so we want to be careful not to spread to people. We don't want to be careful not to spread the coronavirus to others. But we should also seek to love those who are suffering real harm from the, lice of, from the loss of livelihood. Not either or, but both. The next section is what I call the catechesis section. Now, I won't explain this every week, but since this podcast is new and some may not be f- familiar, familiar with, what a catechesis, with what catechesis is, I want to explain again this time and probably for the next couple of weeks as well. For centuries, Christians gave themselves to the practice of learning the doctrines of the Christian faith by way of a catechism. Catechesis simply means to teach orally or to instruct by word of mouth. And so the catechism is a series of questions and answers with scripture that are asked and then answered. And this is how Christian Christian doctrines were learned for centuries. This practice, I think, would benefit us a ton in our day, a day in in which confusion about truth and when even in the church, ignorance about the Christian faith flourish. It would help to fill our minds and our hearts with clear truth about God and godliness, about gospel truth, and gospel living. So what I'm going to do over the next years, I want to make my way through a modern catechism called the New City Catechism. The New City Catechism basically takes from a number of ancient, trusted catechisms and puts them into more modern vernacular in a form of 52 questions and answers with scripture. So one for each week of the year. Now, if you're interested, you could buy New City Catechism book. I think it's for like $7.50 on Amazon, or you can download the app for free. Um, I should note that if you download the app, there are shorter answers for kids, for younger kids, and maybe some adults too. So, We are on question and answer number two. So question two, what is God? Answer, God is the creator and sustainer of everyone and everything. He is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his power and perfection, goodness and glory, wisdom, justice, and truth. Nothing happens except through him and by his will. There is no greater thing to think about or talk about than God. There can be no higher subject we can occupy our minds with. In the garden, Adam and Eve fell for the temptation that if they ate the fruit of the tree, they could become like God. The essence of humility is to recognize that God is God and I am not. God is God and I am not. God is not just a little above us human beings. He is not even a lot above us. He is in a category all by himself. He is infinitely above us, infinitely higher than us. There are none like him. There is no one 
like our God? The answer we read says he is eternal, infinite, and unchangeable. Amazingly, all that God is, he always has been and always will be. He is never growing. He's never learning. He's never becoming. He simply is. And we see that he is perfect in power, goodness, glory, wisdom, justice, and truth. He always has been, and he always will be. In a world that is constantly changing, where truth is malleable, people can say something like, hey, it's my truth, and you have your truth. Where justice is subjective, and increasingly evil is called good, we need to know our God who defines all of these things. He defines truth. He defines justice. He defines good and evil. And he does not change. He is infinite, eternal, unchangeable. And we need to trust that this God who is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable is governing all things in the universe for his glory and for the good of his people. The Bible passage for this question and answer is Psalm 86, 8 through 10 and 15. It says, There is none like you among the gods, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. All the nations you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and shall glorify your name. For you are great and do wondrous things. You alone are God. But you, O Lord, are God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Who is like our God? There is no one. He is unmatched in his majesty, power, and glory, as well as his patience, love, and faithfulness. In our history section for this episode, I want to tell you about a young man who died 117 years ago today. Well, today, the release of this podcast is April 9th. He, this young man died on April 9th, 1913. Part of our heritage as Christians is the long line of faithful believers who have gone before us. At Real Life Church, we are currently making our way through the book of Hebrews and are now in chapter 11, which is famously known as the faith chapter or the honor roll of the faithful, as it recounts for us men and women who had faith in God, which led them to live lives of dedication and sacrifice, looking to the future reward. So this story is about a a young man who is among the great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. His name, William Borden. I hope you remember this name, William Borden. Borden grew up in a wealthy Chicago family. He was unusually inclined as a young boy to spiritual things. Borden was converted at the age of seven under the preaching ministry of R.A. Torrey, at Moody Memorial Church. But it was a trip around the world following his high school graduation that set him on a course that marked him with a passion for world missions. During this trip, Borden saw the deep spiritual need of many of the peoples he was exposed to and especially longed to bring the gospel to China. After attending Yale and graduating from there and later Princeton Seminary, Borden joined the China Inland Mission and set sail for Cairo, Egypt, 
to learn Arabic before going to China. While in Egypt, William Borden threw himself into his studies as well as ministry opportunities, and he was quickly loved by all around him. But unfortunately, not long after he arrived in Cairo, William contracted cerebral meningitis and died on April 9, 1913. Borden never made it to China. His fortune that he inherited of almost $1 million was left to domestic and foreign missions agencies. Now, you know, think about this, $1 million in 1913. It's a lot of it's a lot of money now. It was a lot of money then. After his death, some of William's friends found a piece of paper under his pillow with the words quote, "no reserve, no retreat, no regrets." End quote. The short, remarkable life of William Borden is an example of complete dedication and sacrifice out of love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Borden lived out the words Paul spoke in Acts 20, verse 24, when he said, But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus Christ. Only the good news of Jesus Christ can deeply change a heart like this. Only the gospel of Christ can produce this kind of loving dedication to Christ. And Borden's dedication spoke powerfully to others and still speaks even now after his death. On his tombstone are written written the words, Apart from faith in Christ, there is no explanation for such a life. That's powerful. When you are dead and gone, what do you want to be remembered for? What would you want your tombstone to read? Let the story of William Borden fuel you to that end and ask the Lord to make it a reality. Thanks again for listening to the Living by Faith podcast. If you found it helpful, please like and share it. Until next time, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you all.